What's up, everybody? This is Micah Ness, and you are listening to Silverline Behind the Frame, episode number 32. And in this episode, I get to talk with Travis Daigle, a former U.S. Army Green Beret and combat veteran. And Travis has overcome huge obstacles in his life. And we get to talk about his story and just how he went from being an overweight kid that was abused to becoming one of the military's elite special forces. And through all that, he has become an entrepreneur and a public speaker. He's spoken on the TEDx stage. He's been a CrossFit coach and trainer. And now he's training to compete in mixed martial arts. And he's been able to inspire people through speaking and writing. And he's decided to use his journey and story to help others meet challenges with determination to adapt and overcome. So I hope you enjoy this talk. All right, so this uh, this episode today we are talking with Travis Daigle. That, that's very pronounced. That is the correct pronunciation. Daigle. All right, that's awesome. And um, <laughs> and today we're getting to to hear a bit about his story, and it's uh, pretty pretty inspiring. I would say we got to got to hear quite a bit of of uh, of kind of his story and his message last night, and was really inspired and wanted to. Um, kind of share some of that on today's podcast. So thanks for joining us today. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me, bro. Yeah. Um, do you want to just dive right into it? Um, or, well, I, or I think, uh, yeah, let's, um, let's just dive right in. I think, you know, you for you, um, you know, like I was saying, a lot of the stuff that we like to to talk about is obviously the, the people that we've been able to, to meet. And, I mean, mm-hmm. I've only, you know, known you for a short amount of time, but even just the story that I've heard so far has been, um, pretty amazing. And let's, uh, so let's just share a little bit about, um, kind of how, uh, how you came to, you know, kind of your, a little bit of your backstory that you shared yeah. last night to kind of give people a, a framework of, of where you're coming from. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so I grew up, uh, um, in Birmingham, Alabama. Um, I was a, a very overweight kid from a young age. So, uh, dealt with obesity, uh, dealt with some abuse growing up. Some um, uh, family friend of ours uh, uh, sexually, physically abused me when I was a real little kid, um, and, uh, and you know, and obviously being obese, uh, that kind of the obesity kind of came out of that combined with being bullied and teased, and that kind of so it's self perpetuating, yeah, right? And so you yeah, know, you start sure. eating a lot uh, as a kid growing up, lots of sugar, um, you know, and then you know, my mom was a single mom for kind of the first ten years of my life, and and. Uh, and she was going through a lot of challenges, so that made home life stressful sometimes. And and so, uh, going through that as a kid growing up and trying to navigate uh, life and and kind of make yourself smaller, so to speak, and try to mm-hmm. walk on eggshells everywhere you go, right. sort of. So I was real, real timid, real shy kid, uh, mm-hmm. and um, was uh, worked hard academically, like I t- like I said last night yeah. at the gym, um, because my mom was just was convinced and and told my sister and I that we didn't want to be poor we needed to you know earn scholarships go to college get the good job do those things and so i i bought wholesale into that story and um and really worked hard academically not the smartest guy in the world but i was able to do well by the time i graduated from high school got some scholarships to the university of houston and uh the idea was to move from birmingham and kind of leave behind all those bad memories and start afresh in houston so I moved, uh, went to Houston in the year 2000. That's when I graduated high school and uh, started at the University of Houston, majored in electrical engineering. That seemed like I was better at math, science stuff than I was at like English history stuff. So it, t- engineering just seemed like 
a good fit. Um, so that's kind of what I decided in my mind I was going to do. A, a funny thing about me was I was always, as a kid, I was always curious about electronics. So I was always mm. kind of tearing open ele old electronics to figure out what was going on. And so I figured electrical engineers would know what to do with this or how this worked. Right. And was that was that just because the the complexity of it or you wanted to figure out how things worked? Or what, what do you I, think led you to be I, interested in that part of it? I think I was just... It was just it was, it was just curiosity. Yeah. I think like you know I we'd have like an old radio sitting around mm -hmm. and I and I just would want to know like what makes that thing tick. What I mean, here's this thing that the sound comes out of and it, these these invisible signals yeah. send it a message <laughs> and it turns into you know voices on, right. through this box. Like how does that work? You know. Um. So I think I was just curious and just felt like I also remember thinking that okay, as an engineer, I can build things that help improve the lives of other people. And that mm -hmm. seemed cool to me. So right. I figured, right. hey, let's try this out, you know. Um, and so I went to, you know, went to engineering school. Uh, and uh, man, uh, I mean, it was five, it was, that was five hard years. I, and kind of backtrack, I ended up losing a bunch of weight before going off to school. I mm -hmm. I worked out for several years. You started as a kid. that process. Yeah, and, started yeah. that at 10 years old. Uh, took respond took that responsibility and onus on myself, um, uh, just because you know I saw that as the easiest way to start building confidence uh, mm -hmm. as a young man because I, you know dealing with the teasing and whatnot was something I could do on my own. Yeah, so I didn't need sure. other people for it, uh, and so was able to finally figure it out uh, just as I was leaving high school and ended up losing like eighty pounds before heading off to college wow. and would lose more uh, during during college and you know moving forward in life. Um, that five years of college is kind of a blur because I, I just worked hard. I just yeah. studied all the time and worked and studied and worked and studied. Um, so, so you were driven during that time. Yeah, it wasn't like yeah. taking some time off. No. Uh, it, was, around <laughs> it, was, it was probably, I, I think immediately in my freshman year, I recognized how hard it was going to be. Like yeah. I, I, I kind of started looking at the class load and, and looking at what they were asking of us. And I was like, okay, man, this is going to be hard, super mm -hmm. hard. Um, and I just stepped up to it because, like I said, I bought wholesale into that story about yeah. good job, that's success. So I was right. like, you got to do this. That American dream. Yeah. Kind of yeah. And I think the other thing, and I didn't say this last night, but I think the other thing about me that I've learned is that I think I just like, I just need a challenge. Mm -hmm. I think something yeah. about my personality mm -hmm. needs a challenge. So one thing I said last night about engineering school is, Going through school, I hated school. I mm -hmm. couldn't stand going to school. None of it. Like college, grade school, whatever. Like yeah. all of it sucked to me. Mm -hmm. Like if I could eliminate school from <laughs> the Amer yeah. the, the yeah. human mind, I would, you know. Um, right. I but you. Uh, uh, I like learning, but I just don't like it in that environment, in the mm -hmm. traditional environment. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, But I put up with it. And I think to me, in part with college, because people ask me this all the time, like, why would you go work so hard to get a degree and then you don't like it and you hate it? Because it mm -hmm. just doesn't make sense to people. Mm -hmm. And I think what that is, is I'm kind of not a glutton for punishment because I think that's different. Mm -hmm. I, I just really like a challenge and it represented a challenge. It represented yeah. something that was like standing in front of me saying, hey, I bet you mm -hmm. you can't do this. And yeah. it's kind of like, oh, really? Okay, watch me, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I just kept going and kept grinding it out. But, of course, you get tired after a while. Sure. Five years go by. I get my degree, graduate with honors, get a job offer, get a couple of job offers right away. I took the one from Shell Oil Company there in mm -hmm. Houston. Um, 
when I started working, I was miserable right away. Had great people around me, uh, great right. some good mentors. Uh, had a great boss. Had a really cool, cool uh, manager, immediate mm -hmm. manager. Um, but just hated it, man. Just couldn't stand it at all. Uh, and I think primarily it was the sitting at a desk that kind of bothered me. Yeah, um, yeah. Because you were doing the type of work that you at least thought it was kind of going into. Right. right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. I kind. I mean, and I, I mean to some extent. Um, I think I had some uh I had some misconceptions about what it meant to be an engineer and I also think that I didn't do I think I needed some more steering than what yeah. I got in terms of cuz with engineering you can do a, a bajillion different things there's a bajillion right. different in industries you can work in. Yeah. Um I worked uh, uh two summers at Ford Motor Company as a mm -hmm. as an intern while I was in school and I liked cars. Cars were uh, I still like cars. Um and that was interesting to me but the second summer um, they had me doing more desk work, more computer work. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't aware of it at the time that that was such an issue for me, like s being yeah. seated, seated at a desk. I just didn't recognize it. Obviously, I was a relatively fit guy doing all the exercising mm -hmm. to lose weight. So and you kept doing that even through the work too. Right, yeah. yeah, yeah. And so when I was working at Shell, that habit started to fall away because I just started to get super depressed. And, yeah. I mean, anybody has been depressed before, you you know, like you're – everything is sapped your energy is sapped your your focus is sapped um mm -hmm. and so i just uh, i literally can remember getting to a point probably about six months in where i'm gaining weight because like i said last night i was i was eating jack in a box like mm -hmm. three or four meals a day yeah. uh because it's medicating with the food sure and um and i remember like i started to like physically hurt like my back started to hurt, my knees started to hurt, and I was just like, it was, I was just miserable. And I bought this, I got a car loan because uh, yeah. you know I think I that's I, the thing to do. Yeah, right? yeah, <laughs> you know that's the thing to do. Success, yada yada yada. And I was miserable because I had this car that I had to pay for for the next five years. I had my student loans, and I just and I, all I had was this engineering degree. Mm -hmm. And this happens to us where we think we only have one option. And so I had this engineering degree, but I don't want to be an engineer anymore. And so I'm like, oh, life is over. Yeah. Um, and so that's where I started to have like some some thoughts of hurting myself, suicide, so on and so forth. And after doing that for a while, I was after having those thoughts for a while, I, I had this moment of objectivity where I was like, I got to stop this. And it was actually what actually happened was, <clears throat> like I said, I had some good mentors around me at the, mm -hmm. at the job and he didn't recommend I quit. But um he said, uh, "The uh, I was I was at the job, and there was this one morning. We were in Houston, Texas. It's a mm -hmm. funny story. Mm -hmm. um, we were we were. <laughs> I was supposed to fly with him from Houston, yeah, uh, from George Bush Intercontinental Intercontinental Airport down to like. Um, we were supposed to go to like. We were supposed to go to Dallas. That's uh, where we, we had yeah. a vendor in Dallas because I did. We, we worked on onshore." Uh, natural gas facilities okay. in South Texas. Yeah. And so, you know, we had these big tanks and piping and mm -hmm. turbines and combustion systems and all that stuff. And um, we were supposed to go see this vendor in Dallas and I was going with him. He'd been an engineer for like 20 years at this point. Mm -hmm. A really, really um, knowledgeable guy, very smart guy. And um, I remember this is in the middle of my depression and we were supposed to be at the airport by like, you know, 8 a.m. or something like that to get on the plane by 9. And I woke up super early that morning. I was having insomnia at the time. Yeah. And so I was up early. And so I was up at like, I don't know, maybe like 3 a.m. that morning. Yeah. 
I remember I got up on the side of the bed. I hadn't changed out of my work clothes from the day before. Wow. Uh, and that was pretty common during right. that time. Yeah. And I remember just for like, I don't know, it must have been like six hours that morning, I just stared at the wall uh, on the yeah. side of my bed, just like, I cannot do this anymore. Wow. And I was struggling. And I end up calling my mentor and I'm like, hey, man, like, I'm not going to make it. And he's like, well, why are you not going to make it? Are you in traffic or something? And he's like, no, I'm just not coming. It's not coming. Wow. <laughs> no. And he says, okay, uh, we are going to talk about this when I get back. And I says, okay. Yeah. And so I drove into the office that, that morning and he got back, like, I don't know if it was the next day or a couple of days later. And he, you know, he called me into his office and I came in there and he's like, what's going on, man? And I was like, look, man, I am depressed out of my mind and I don't think I can do this anymore. Mm. And he says, you know, I kind of figured that. He said, I, he said, I, I kind of noticed some signs of it. And the reason, yeah. and he said, the reason he could recognize it is because he had gone through the same thing oh, when really? he first started working. And he said, and he said something that I'll never forget. He said, but the difference between me and you, Travis, is when I started, I had a wife and two kids already. He said, you don't have anybody. And what he said was like, I'm not telling you what to do, but you're not stuck. Yeah. And he, and he told me like, you know, with some counseling and some good medication, I was able to kind of get through that phase of life. And, and he said, but every time I go on vacation, I'm looking at the clock for retirement and mm. he, he kind of framed how he was living now and it right. wasn't like miserable but he just said like you know you got options man like don't yeah. um and and so i decided to quit um after not because not because of that conversation but i just felt like i like it, it was the moment where i realized i'm not stuck in this i yeah. don't have to just keep doing this right but i knew i was going to go you into had control something. i mean it's just you you don't have a whole exactly tied in yeah and yeah. and there's a lots of things um, that I wish people would have said to me ahead of me getting so emotionally mm -hmm. distraught because had somebody said to me like, okay, man, just do this for a year, pay off your student loans, and then go do whatever you want to do after that. Because right. I could have easily done that sure. with the money that I was making. I only had yeah. twenty grand in student loans. Yeah. If I'd have just lived, continued living like a college student, mm -hmm. <laughs> easy yeah. day. I could do, yeah. could, could do whatever you want to do after right. that. Uh, but but just wasn't having those conversations because technically I had won, right? Like I had done right. the thing that everybody you had the wants. Job and you're at the point and yeah, exactly. Um, and so I was um, I was with this young lady at the time. She was my first girlfriend that I'd ever had. And um, again, like I said, was saying last night, because I had never had real relationships with people before, mm -hmm. um, I did not understand. I just didn't understand relationships at all, um, whether it be friendships or romantic relationships. Mm -hmm. And I, 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 it was happening in college with my friends from time to time. But of course, romantic intimacy is like a whole nother level. Mm -hmm. And we often reflect ourselves towards one another. Like that's how you, you start to learn your deficiencies around other people. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I'm trying to like, in my head, I know I'm supposed, I feel like I'm supposed to do certain things as a boyfriend with her um, in terms of being nice and kind and all those things. But there's also like this dichotomy inside of me where I'm like, and I feel like it's like Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. Like yeah. at one moment I'm like cuddling with her. Cause I think that's what I'm supposed to do. But the next moment I'm, I'm like saying like, really mean things to her to get her to get away from me. Cause I just didn't under, I, right. I didn't like what I was feeling on the inside. It yeah. felt weird. Um, which, you know, that's romance. Mm -hmm. Um, but uh ultimately I I would I, I ended up like breaking up with her twice. 
just saying like it's over, it's off, and doing. And it was there was a couple times it was really bad timing, um, and uh, and she took me back both times because when when she would leave, then I didn't want to be alone again, right? And you know, she, you know, first you know, love or what have you, and so I'd run and beg beg her to come back, and I did this with her a couple of times. And when I left that job, I think it was just like I think it was just too much chaos for her. Mm-hmm. It was too much chaos for her, and uh, and she ended up walking away. And so I found myself in Houston. I'd quit my job. I I had to end. I ended up having to surrender my car for repossession because I couldn't pay for it anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, I had my student loans, and and I and I had uh, a bunch of credit card debt because I was living off of my credit cards for a little while there. And uh, I was in a bunch of debt. And I was in this little apartment in Houston. The uh, the lights had been cut off, the power had been cut off, and I was getting evicted. And uh, you know, I was like 24 years old. Mm-hmm. And uh, what was so crazy about it is it, it was tumultuous, right? Like yeah. I'd kind of taken this tumble in people's eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, lots of hard conversations with friends and family and that sort of thing. People, you know, people's judgment come in my direction pretty heavily. Right. I know, and step away from a. <laughs> Right. Seemingly good career. And right. Yeah. yeah. People thought I was a fool and ungrateful mm-hmm. and all these things. And it was hard because I think I had developed this identity of this being this very responsible, hardworking young man. Yeah. And so for people to kind of take that affirmation from me was hard and, mm-hmm. and hard on my identity. And it, it's hard when you're that young, when you're yeah. trying to find your identity at that age. Right. And uh, but what was cool about it is, is it was chaotic. But what was cool about it was. I felt freer than I'd ever felt my entire life. Like mm-hmm. I started working at a 24 hour fitness as a personal trainer. Yeah. And I, I mean, Mike, I was broke and my, <laughs> I didn't have no car and I was right. walking to work every day. It just so happened. It happened to be like a mile away from right. the house. Uh, Cause I couldn't afford like bus fare either. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I was just, I was happy. Like I was actually doing something that I was reasonably interested in. And I don't mm-hmm. think I had ever experienced that up until that point in my life. Mm-hmm. And, uh, cause you had learned all that on your own, like the stuff you were applying to personal training. I mean, you didn't necessarily learn that through a specific program. Right. Just yeah. Kinda, hey, this mm-hmm. worked for me. I can help someone else. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was my thought process. Right. And it was funny cause when I was working at 24 hour fitness and this is not a knock against them as a company, cause I think all of fitness is like that, whether it's CrossFit, any Zumba yoga, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. I remember I was shadowing other trainers for a while mm-hmm. and I was watching them work with clients and there was so much like, and again, this is one of those things I took for granted that I didn't understand. There was yeah. so much like what I felt was like entertaining the client, mm. like making sure they were entertained by the workout. And I remember mm-hmm. kind of sitting and observing, just, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. just kind of thinking to myself, um, can we cuss on this podcast? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I remember yeah. thinking to myself, "What the fuck is this? <laughs> like, get your monkey ass in there right. and work out. Like, right. what are you? Yeah, what, why are you playing games? <laughs> yeah, why are you playing games? Like, yeah. like this professional knows what to do. You just goddamn do what they tell you to do. Mm-hmm. Like, this ain't about entertaining your ass. <laughs> and this is the conversation yeah. that's going on in right. my head because right. in my mind, I'm like. When I did this, it was just, man, you do the work, man. You get your yeah. butt up and you do the work. Yeah. And you keep working until you get to what you're looking for. And you fail as many times as you got to fail. Right. Like, I don't know. But I, but, I under, but I also understood at the same time that this is a business mm-hmm. that these people are running. And right. so it was kind of like. Want to be, you want them to want to be there, too. Exactly. Not just like, exactly. they don't all have the same perspective. It's like, hey, this is going to make or break. Right, me. right. right. 
and I and 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 so it was a little bit interesting. It was because it was odd to me. Mm-hmm. I didn't quite understand the mentality that the clients had. Right. Um, and right. so, and so, and of course, personal training, you need time to develop clientele. Well, I I didn't have that time because I had money problems, mm-hmm. and so I was wasn't able to keep doing it. But it was a good kind of peek into that world real quick. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I was sitting in one one of the cool things about having no power and being evicted mm-hmm. and having no money to go do stuff is that you you get a lot of time to sit <laughs> and reflect on, <laughs> on yeah. what you, yeah. right? Right, and hopefully um, not just uh, uh, sulking in the corner. Exactly, like, exactly. And yeah. for me, coming out of that depression, I was definitely thinking like, okay, everybody thinks that I made the dumbest mistake of my life, but I'm happy now. Mm-hmm. And I says, okay, what, what do we need to do? And I just thought real practically, like, what are the basics here? One, I need some money because I get I got to pay this debt off and I got to be able to take care of myself. Mm-hmm. Two, I know I can't go back to a desk. That's that's not going to yeah. work. Yeah. Three, I want to do something physical. Uh, four, I want to do something that's purposeful. It feels like it serves other people. Mm-hmm. And as I thought and thought, um, the, the idea of being a medic in the military came to mind. Mm-hmm. And so I started doing a little research on it, called a couple of recruiters, asked a couple of questions. And because I was being uh, evicted, um, and I wasn't making any money. I had just enough flight miles from my work at Shell mm. to take the last $60 paycheck that I made from 24 hour fitness and buy a one way <laughs> ticket with my flight miles wow. from Birmingham to Houston. And so wow. all my clothes and stuff, I just got rid of when I couldn't fit in two bags, yeah. I just got rid of it. And, uh, the plan was as, as soon as I got to Birmingham back to my parents' house, the next morning, I was going to go see the recruiter in Birmingham mm-hmm. uh, about the army, and uh, and that's what I did. That next morning, uh, my mom picked me up, and ironically, when I got off the plane, because I'd just been through so much, so much turmoil at this point, she said I looked tired, like I had been in a war when I when I got off the mm-hmm. plane, and I says, "Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely was an emotional roller coaster." Right. And so I went uh, to the recruiter's office the next day. And when I walked in there, you know, I'd lost the weight back because I was working at the gym and I was kind of happy again and eating Mm -hmm. normally again. And so I was back in decent shape and the recruiter was asking me like, you know, what do you like doing? You know, what, you know, what's your background? And so I had an engineering degree and, you know, I was trying personal training and he says, well, have you ever thought about joining the special forces? And I, because I'd gone in there asking, can I be a medic? Uh, Just, which is in. Which where did the medical side come come from? Yeah. Well. But because I knew I wanted to perhaps at that time, the plan ultimately was to open my own gym and still work uh, in training. Yeah. So I figured do a job that is, is as closely related to learning the human body as mm, possible. Sure. Right. Yeah. And so to me, that was the closest thing was medic. Yeah. And so I go in the, to the recruiter's office and say, hey, I, I, I want to be a medic. What do I need to do to do that? And they say to me, well, we think you should think about trying out for special forces. At the time, they had this thing called the 18 X-ray program. And this is where they recruit civilians yeah. uh, to, you know, to be special forces. I don't know what the Navy calls their program, but they do it with the SEALs as well. And Air Force mm-hmm. does it as well. Um, and so I went home and I thought about it. I started researching it. And, and, and you could be, obviously, you could also be a, a, a medic in special forces, but it sure. was, you were a much more higher, right. highly trained medic. Right. And, right. uh, and when I looked into everything, I was like, everything in me was like, yeah, man, let's, let's go do this. Right. And, and the, the one reservation that I had initially was, well, I had a few reservations because I knew, 
I knew I wanted to sign up for the military as a regular medic, but mm. this meant like a whole nother level of physical engagement. Oh yeah. And I wasn't, <laughs> um, I wasn't certain that I had what it took. Yeah. One of the main things I was concerned about is that I didn't know how to swim. Yeah. Um, and I knew you needed to know how to swim <laughs> to be in special operations. And right. so, I, so I started going through the process and the recruiter at the, uh, at the contract, Luke knows about this, the, yeah. the contract signing <laughs> place, the MEPS place. Yeah. Um, he was like, he had been an army ranger. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I asked him, I said, sir, and, and I was, I still had an intention of being a regular medic at this mm-hmm. point. Cause I just didn't know how to swim. I was like, there's no way I can do this. And he, and he looked at me, he says, look, young man, do you really want to serve your country? And I was like, well, yeah, I want to serve my country. And he's like, look, you, I can't let you be a regular medic. And I was like, what are you talking about? They said I could do this. <laughs> and, uh, and he's like, look, you can't be a regular medic because you need to go special forces. Yeah. And I says, sir, I don't know how to swim. And he's like, look, don't worry about it. They'll teach you how to swim in basic training. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and of course, yeah, yeah. You know, like, and of course I didn't know anything about yeah. the military at the time. And I, I hadn't had any, I had some uncles who had served in Vietnam mm-hmm. But I never talked to them about that, and right. um, and nobody in my immediate family had served in the military, so I wasn't knowledgeable and hadn't enough. Shot a gun, or <laughs> yeah, know, I had like... shot a gun, <laughs> hadn't been on a hike, been camping, none of that stuff, wow. right? And so I but had that didn't intimidate you. I mean, just it's just it's more of a it it did and it didn't it yeah. didn't because here was the he, so the cool thing, and I didn't say this before, but I started working out to try to lose weight when I was ten years old. It didn't really, nothing really moved until I was 17. Yeah. So in the, in between the seven years in between is just a bunch of trying and failing, trying and failing. Sure. And what I had learned from that experience as a kid growing up, and I remember this very clearly as I was going through the decision-making process to sign up for the military. Um, and just my engineering brain is like going through all the scenarios, right? Yeah. What I re- realized was even if I fail, I'm going to learn something from this. Oh, yeah. So even if I don't, like, you know, I I felt like it was a long shot, Mm -hmm. but screw it. Let's try it. What's the worst that could happen? You lose and you just go be a regular medic. That's a great perspective. You know, like, right? You know, like, so I wasn't afraid to fail because I'd done that so many times before. Mm -hmm. Like, I, what I, what I used to tell, um, I, with my business, I used to teach a a workshop to aspiring entrepreneurs at, mm-hmm. at UW Tacoma. Um, and one of the things that I, I told them, I say this in a video on my YouTube channel, uh, is that process as a kid, it, it inoculated me to failure. Mm-hmm. So I'm just not afraid of it at yeah. all. Um, yeah. And so That's I was huge. just like, yeah. And so yeah. it just, you, now you, now, now you can just go, you can mm-hmm. see what you want and go for it. Right. And so it didn't matter to me, like statistically, whether or not I was likely to make it, which I wasn't, I feel like, um, I wanted the experience. I wanted to give it a shot. I wanted to know I tried it. I didn't, what I, mm-hmm. what I don't like is regret. Right. That's what I, I'm like, no, nah, man, yeah. I, I'm not feeling regret pass on that. Um, and <laughs> yeah. so to you know me, what the, what the level of like, not like dropout rate is typically in, um, in the training like that. I know at least at the time for selection, I want to say it's like for the, for the, it varies between two and three weeks depending on you know what's going on who's Mm -hmm. the training nco and all that stuff so like if you get like 300 i think my class my class was a small class something like 188 guys or something like that and i think 60 of us actually passed um and so it's something like you know 33 percent of people actually just passed the selection phase but the whole training pipeline is like 
for a medic is like two years. Yeah. And so there's, I don't know what the washout rate right. is, but lots of med, people that go through the medical course fail. Uh, yeah. People that go through the, the weapons course fail a lot. Um, so it washes people yeah, out. You can't just be tough. You also have to be proficient in yep. those. And then you got language training uh-huh. and all these things. And then the small unit tactics. And so it's yeah. a long pipeline yeah. and people wash out over time, right. injuries, so on and so forth. Yeah. Um, and so I just, th- my thought process was real simple uh, signing up is like, okay, he said, they'll teach me how to swim in basic training. For all of you listening, they don't teach you how to swim in basic training. <laughs> they throw you in the water? <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, they don't even, they, they didn't even do that for yeah. us. Um, I got through basic training. You have to, you have to go to infantry basic training. So like, mm-hmm. basically it, it works like this. You go to infantry school, you go to airborne school. Mm-hmm. And so at that point you are an airborne qualified infantryman. Mm-hmm. And that means you can go to the 82nd infantry yeah. the uh, 101st infantry unit, mm-hmm. any infantry unit. And from there, you then go to selection. If you mm-hmm. pass selection, what, what the contract does is it guarantees you a chance to go to selection. Yeah. And if you pass, get picked up, then you go through the Q course, mm-hmm. so on and so forth. And so once I got done with airborne school, um, somebody from one of the SF liaisons came because we were in Fort Benning. All the special forces training takes place in Fort Bragg, North Carolina. Mm-hmm. So we were down in Georgia. We were getting ready to get transferred to North, North Carolina. So this liaison is there to say, hey, who has any issues? What's going on? And so this guy comes up. He had been a former Air Force TACP, uh, Air Force Special Operations. Yep. Yep. Um, he had a combat diver bubble. So he had been to dive school in Key West. So he, this guy knew how to swim. Right. And so when he asked us all, like, do we have any issues or are there any problems um, in uh, that any of us need to address? Mm-hmm. Uh I raised my hand kind of sheepishly because uh, there was like five of us standing there. Yeah. And I was like, Sergeant, I don't know how to swim. Um, and he kind of looks at me like with his wide eye, like, what are you doing here, man? Like, <laughs> why, why did you sign up for this if you didn't know right. how to swim? And he asked me that. And I says, well, the recruiter told me that they would teach me how to swim in basic training. And he's like, oh, my fucking God, dude. <laughs> like, this is terrible, right? He's like uh, freaking out. And he's like, okay, screw it. Tomorrow, meet me at the pool at this time on base at, in Fort Benning because we right. were out of base. We were out of airborne school, out of base. Right. So we were just kind of in transition, mm-hmm. and so we were just kind of hanging out. And I was like, "Okay, I'll meet. I, I'll do it." And he said, "Come dressed in your full uniform because you got to be able to pass the swim test in your full uniform and boots." Mm-hmm. And I says, "Okay." So I meet him, come in, and I, and I, I'm thinking he's going to be in like uh, his PT uniform, like mm-hmm. with some sweats on and maybe some shorts, ready to get in the pool, get right. in the water. I'm thinking we're just going to go over some basic stuff. Yeah. So he he, meet, he comes in. He's got his normal dress uniform on, and I'm like, okay, um, yeah, what's going on? And so he walks into the pool area, and I walk in behind him. A buddy of mine that I went through basic training with came as kind of moral support. He had gone through like to like a military college, and okay. you know he was kind of yeah. he was going to Ranger Regiment. He was going to be an officer and all that good stuff. He was a really good dude, uh, but he knew how to swim, and so he just kind of wanted to come with me to kind of like spur me on a little yeah. bit. And so this liaison guy the, the the combat diver he he walked in and he starts walking along the side of the pool he starts walking towards the deep end the deep end uh, of the pool was like 15 feet deep and at this point in my life i had never been i had never been in more than waist deep water in really? a pool wow. um uh, i was deathly afraid of the water and the reason i was afraid was as a kid growing up when you're heavy and overweight mm-hmm. the last thing you want to do is expose yourself to the other kids, right? right? So I avoided the water 
as mm. all the time. Like yeah. no water, no, I'm, I'm not interested. Mm-hmm. Parents didn't know how to swim. And so they didn't, they weren't trying to pass necessarily right. uh, push to pass that skill to me. Right? right. So I, I could avoid having to go through that. Mm-hmm. And so here I am 25 and I've never really dealt with the water in any significant way. Wow. And, and we, here we are <laughs> 15 feet. Um, and so he's going, he's walking alongside the pool to his deep end and there's this locker sitting on the, on the side and he opens up the locker. There's a blue brick that he pulls out real quick, throws it in the, into the pool, into the deep end. And, you know, and I kind of oh, watch him man. do it and I'm like, <laughs> oh man, dude, come on, don't tell me. Um, and he turns around and he says, look, man, and I'll never forget this, man. He, he turns around and he's like, look, dude. <laughs> We're not going to do any, like, swim technique or anything today. Right now, you're scared of the water, and I know you are. And what I need you to do is gain some confidence today. Yeah. And we, we don't have we, – we don't have the time – and he was right. We don't have the time to, like, take you through, like, the kiddie pool phases and mm-hmm. walk you on up. Like, you, you got to learn this now. You got to learn fast. And he said, "All this is going to be real simple, man. He says, all you got to do – is you dive in head first, clasp your hands, you know, straight above your head like like an Olympic diver. Mm-hmm. And basically you'll spear all the way down to the bottom. Momentum will take you right on down. Bottom of the pool, you grab the brick, you squat off the bottom, and you push up and you spear up just the same way you went down. You'll float mm-hmm. all the way back to the top. You put the brick on the deck. Get out. We're done for the day. And he looked at me. Simple. Yeah, simple. <laughs> Super simple, right? Uh, and he looked wow. at me and, you know, and, and this is a real – I don't I don't I don't like this term alpha male, but this is a real like macho environment, right? Mm-hmm. And uh he looked at me and he kind of just I guess he just knew what to say. And he he looked at me and then he looked across the pool and there was this this lifeguard, this young lady. This this young lady couldn't have been but like five two, maybe a hundred pounds soaking mm-hmm. wet. And he was like, Man, it would be a shame for that lifeguard to have to get wet to go down there and get this brick. Because your big ass wouldn't go in there and get it. <laughs> and I was just oh, like, man. damn, yep. man. <laughs> There's some motivation. <laughs> and so I went and I looked, I turned and I kind of looked at the wall and I kind of said a little prayer. At the time, I believed in God. And so I kind of said a little prayer. And I did my engineering thing yeah. where I also kind of calculated the risk. Uh, and so I said to myself, okay, I got my buddy here who's with me. He knows how to swim combat diver knows how to swim and i got the 100 pound lifeguard over there who knows how to swim so if i go in here and this goes wrong i think i got a pretty good chance of them saving me right and at least i know i tried yeah and then i also thought about just all of all the all the bullshit people had Mm -hmm. said to me as i was quitting this engineering job and whatnot and i thought to myself what kind of comeback (laughs) would this be to be a right fucking green beret in the united (laughs) states army after all that yeah yeah. And when I let that hit me, I turned around and man, just like he just speared right into the pool, yeah. got the brick, put it on deck, massive confidence built. Wow. Right. Yeah. Later on, I ended up being in the medic course with that liaison because mm-hmm. he was reclassing from the Air Force. Oh, okay. And so he was coming to the special forces from yeah. Air Force Special Operations. Yeah. And I ended up being a medic course with him and, and we would and I was and when I saw that he was starting to class with me, I was like, hey, man, what's going on? And he's like, dude what's up man and i was like man i'm and i told him like man thank you so much for what you did for me that day at the pool and he was like travis 
I had no idea whether that shit was going to work or not. <laughs> I pulled that out of my ass right there that day. I didn't know what I was going to do with you, man. And I was shocked that you actually jumped in the pool. Right. It like it like kind of messed me up a little bit. Like, he actually went in the pool and got in the brain. <laughs> I was like, oh, wow. man. But anyway, like, it was yeah. it, the military was full of those kinds of stories. Yeah. Um, that kind of introduced me to aspects of my personality that I'd never met before growing mm-hmm. up. So that ended up being a, a good, that five and a half years, I obviously made it through the course. I ended up going to combat all those things. And something I said in a speech last night was I went into the military with a form of PTSD. I think I had a lot of things going on, like mm-hmm. lack of self-confidence, right. lack of, you know, believe, just believing in myself and yeah. valuing my own opinion and ideas. Mm-hmm. And what the military showed me is that, is that no, like you should very much value your own opinion ideas and you have, and you have kind of, and once I got through the army, I, I left the army in 2012. I mean, mm-hmm. now I'm a green beret. I'm a combat veteran paid off all my debt while I was in the army. Mm-hmm. Um, I got an engineering degree and I've lost a hundred pounds. Like mm-hmm. there was no more doubting my own instincts. Yeah. Um, at that, I mean, I still, everybody has doubts, but like, mm-hmm. like I don't necessarily my concept for what's possible and not possible mm-hmm. is so much different from most people from having yeah. gone through all these hard things and seen mm-hmm. success in all these hard things. So, right. um, you know, with it, like, for instance, I want to uh, fight in a pro MMA fight now mm-hmm. and I am 37 years old, but I'm just like, I've climbed Mount Everest like 12 times. Like, so I'll just climb it again. Like, it's just right. not a big deal to me, you know? Yeah. And so when I hear other people say, well, that's crazy, da, 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 I'm kind of like, it's almost like listening to a language you don't understand. Mm-hmm. Like, I understand why they're concerned, but just my framework is just different. And so mm-hmm. I just, it just doesn't bother me, uh, like doubt right. and so that sort of thing. So anyway, like, I get out of the military in 2012, um, and I decide I want to go back because now I'm out of debt. And again, that was a very strategic thing, paying off debt while I was in yeah. the service. Like, cause what I understood what had happened to me with the first time with 24 hour fitness is I couldn't keep going cause I ran out of money mm-hmm. and I needed the, the money to buy the time to experiment in the gym with getting right. clients and all that stuff. Yeah. So very tactically, I said to myself, the, the next time I do this, I need to make sure I have some money in the bank cause the money buys me time in the gym mm-hmm. to, to experiment with this whole thing. And so I had, I I went into the military $60,000 deep into debt and I came out the other side with 60 grand in the bank. Mm -hmm. And that was very intentional. And so I started working at a local CrossFit gym uh, in Tacoma, uh, Tacoma Strength, um, good community. And I started, you know, training and coaching classes and all that stuff. And I was very, you know, I'd learned a lot on my own YouTube university and yeah. books and so on and so forth. So I knew right. the Olympic lifts and yada, yada, yada. Um, but again, that I remembered my experience at 24-Hour Fitness and kind of the problems that I saw there mm-hmm. in that very short span of time. And I began to see those same issues again. And what people have to understand about... Um, with you or seeing with other people? With clientele, like, yeah. yeah. And... um and with and with myself in certain ways too, and and I'll I'll talk about that a little bit, but like just seeing, you know, somebody's been a part of the gym for five years and seeing that their body hasn't changed at all, um, seeing that their capacities haven't changed at all, mm-hmm. maybe dietary strategies, maybe they've been complaining about the same lifestyle stuff for you know five years or something mm-hmm. like that, like. You know, my somebody might come to me and tell me like that client's been here forever and they just don't change. They don't want to change. And to me, that was just so. 
and again, being an engineer, you're kind of linear mm-hmm. uh, to some extent. And so I'm like, okay, you're paying $150 a month to stay the same. Right. <laughs> like it just didn't make sense to me. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. don't, like, don't you want the thing? Like, don't you want mm-hmm. the evolution in some form of your being? Mm-hmm. Um, so that just didn't make sense to me. And it's especially being someone who had, at this point, I'm 30 years old, getting out of the army, and I've gone through all these positive evolutions in my life, right? Mm-hmm. And so I'm just like, man, you like, you need to be on some growth stuff. Like, you need to be on some right. growth mindset. You need to want to get after it and get yeah. whatever it is you're trying to get. Um, and I just assumed, I kind of took for granted and assumed that everybody else had the same objective. Mm-hmm. And what I learned about fitness during that time as a coach is, you know, we have to breathe oxygen. Yeah. We have to eat food. We have to to drink water. So we will do what, as animals, as human animals, we will do what is necessary to get to those things, right? Mm-hmm. If you can't breathe, you're going to fight and do whatever you got to do to breathe. Mm-hmm. Um, but with our fitness, especially in the modern world, you don't have to exercise. Mm-hmm. You don't have to eat vegetables and and proteins and and high quality protein right like you don't have to do those things you could probably i mean you can you could you could have stayed at the you can have a desk job right um and you can commute 30 minutes hour to work sit in the car and do the same thing come on you can have uber eats deliver your food every day especially like if you got a really good job a high paying job Mm -hmm. like and never miss a beat like right. and never do anything physical and never really challenge your, your own health habits. So one, there's no environmental pressure to be healthy. Uh, and so because of that, fitness has to be sold as a product. Mm-hmm. So like, I don't know, let's say, uh, I don't know, let's say this recording equipment, mm-hmm. there are multiple types, multiple brands. And so that brand, I mean, I'm sure obviously you know this, like yeah. you've got to create a story behind the brand. you got to mm-hmm. create a story behind the product and people have to resonate with the story right. and then want to associate with the product. Right. Um, and so, you know, somebody sees Rich Froning on the CrossFit games one year crushing it and he's ripped and he's strong as an ox. And you see these women who are just like incredible athletes people get all jazzed up and so now they associate crossfit with those abilities if i go do crossfit i can be like them that makes me feel good Mm -hmm. so on and so forth not realizing that there is a long hard road to get to those capacities (laughs) like the body doesn't change in an instant it is a it's a it's consistency it's constantly challenging your your paradigm and level of discipline around Mm -hmm. eating and just what right. I saw was people chasing that instant gratification, right? right? Like, I want it right now. I want, you know, I want the, – the example, the way I frame all this, because I could go into a ton of different things, but the example that I use for people, I think that really highlights it is the number of, time that, the number of times that people would come to me and ask me, Travis, how do I get my first strict pull-up? Like, mm-hmm. no kip, like, just a strict – pull up how do i get that how do i get there and i tell them it's real simple um for for people listening there are these big rubber exercise bands i'm sure you've seen them at the oh, gym yeah. right you girth hitch them to the pull-up bar and then you slip your foot into one and the van helps assist you through the range of motion of the pull-up mm-hmm. and so what i would tell tell people is find a band that has enough tension to help you do three to five sets of five to 10 reps of pull-ups. So maybe like you start out doing, you know, three sets of 10 pull-ups with a big heavy duty band that Mm -hmm. takes a lot of the weight out of your body. Right. Mm -hmm. 
and do that, do, do the three to five sets of five to 10 pull-ups for the next, uh, do, do that every time you come to the gym. So maybe you come to the gym twice a week, do it twice a week, do it at least twice a week, right? Mm-hmm. If you can do it three times, so, so, so be it. And then of course, the next question would be, how long is it going to take, you know, me doing this? And I would tell people, do that for the next three years. The next three years, mm-hmm. at least twice a week, come in. Maybe maybe you might get a little tendonitis here and there. You might have to take a week off here and there. But, like, try to get it consistently mm-hmm. at least once a week if you can, you know, if you get busy. Mm-hmm. But try to aim for two times a week, three if you feel like it. Right. And for the next three years, just lock in and make that happen. And... And they're like, what? Yeah, right, we're right. <laughs> and 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 maybe out of 60 times that I got asked that question, yeah. I had one person follow through on it. And this woman mm-hmm. ended up within 10 months being able to do 10 strict pull-ups. Cause she she wow. stuck. Yeah. She she got on the road and she stayed with it. Mm-hmm. And this woman was a, a a mom, had three kids, you know, and just was committed to her fitness level. And she yeah. says, Okay, try and she, and maybe, you know, part of what was her strong suit is uh, she had been a cross country athlete in college. Mm-hmm. So she understood practice and grinding it out. And I think a lot of people just don't understand that. They don't understand one patience, like the body take, it takes time to evolve and two consistency and three time patience, you know, and patience relates to time, right. Mm-hmm. And consistency and you can change things. And I just saw that people didn't understand that. The right. other side of the coin that I saw messing people up, which related to my own experiences, is you got somebody that hates their job. They are trying to change their eating habits. So, and I was actually talking to Luke about this earlier today. Um, you got somebody, if you spend eight hours a day doing something that it just takes all your mental energy to be willing to engage. Right you're going to have very little in the way of willpower when you get home mm-hmm. and you don't have anything, any food prepared and you have the option of going to takeout or taking that head of broccoli out and that raw steak out and cooking it up and making a meal. Like you're mm-hmm. probably going to follow the path of least resistance at that point. Cause all your willpower is drained just to right. get through the day. Right. Yeah. So if you find work that actually fills your cup up, then yeah. it's energizing. Right. Right. And then you end up getting home and you say, you know what? No, like I like yeah. the way I feel right it carries now. Carries over to the rest of the absolutely. Time you it, put it's in. it's yeah. momentum, right? And so that was the other thing I was seeing. Just other things messing people up. Like right. people are having financial trouble. I don't know, man. How smart is it to spend one hundred fifty dollars a month on a CrossFit gym if you deep in debt? Like, does that help you or does that spur your anxiety? Right. Maybe just doing some planks and walking at home while right. you pay this debt off is maybe a better answer. Right. Um, you know, you're having marital problems, problems with the kids. It, it just, mm-hmm. I just began to see this holistic picture. Yeah. Like this is not just about people knowing what to do. Right. There's a, you got to be able to piecemeal your life together in such a mm-hmm. fashion that it helps you flourish as opposed to works against you. Right. And I think a lot of the times when it comes to fitness, we compartmentalize so much and we think if we exercise and if I eat vegetables, then I'll be good without mm-hmm. really any prudence to how it fits together with the whole continuum of my life. Right. Um, right. And so I started seeing that a lot. And that's when I started saying to myself, because the whole time I was thinking, okay, I'm gonna help people with fitness, help people with fitness, because mm-hmm. it was such a big part of my life. Mm-hmm. But then I realized like, well, no, wait a minute, I got all these other experiences and all these other areas of my life that maybe right. people could use some mm-hmm. of that stuff too. Right. And that's when I kind of branch, 
well, first I got burned out with CrossFit. Yeah. Because I was coaching it, competing in it, <clears throat> teaching in it, and and I wasn't making any money. So yeah. it's like this is ridiculous. I gotta stop. <laughs> so again, taking my own. It was first taking my own medicine. Like yeah, yeah. I'm recognizing that I'm starting to to self medicate with sugar again, and I had a relationship. Uh, like a real quick relationship with a woman that burned out and fell apart and I met her at the gym. So the gym was reminding me of it and I'm yeah. broke as a joke. <laughs> and, uh, and I'm wondering what am I doing with my life? Right. And training isn't very fulfilling for me at that yeah. point. So I'm like, okay, look, you just gotta, you just gotta stop mm. before you hit a wall. Mm. Like I did with engineering, right. just stop, put it down, go work a job. I worked a, a job as a, a ER tech in, a, in an emergency room there in Tacoma just to get financially back up on my feet and start figuring things out again. Yeah. And about a year into that, when people find out that I lost a hundred pounds, they want to know how I did it. Right. If people find out that I was a green beret, they want to know how I did it. You got an engineering degree. You're not using that. Why are you doing that? Like people yeah. always want to know why. Right. And so people in the medical community started asking me questions. And then I said to myself, okay, what if I just started getting on YouTube and just kind of telling my story mm -hmm. and just, you know, giving practical advice like, okay, here's how I started budgeting and paying off debt mm -hmm. to giving more, not, I don't want to say esoteric, but more like non-tangibles. Like, mm -hmm. here's what grit and resilience looks like right. and yada, yada, yada. And yeah. so that's what I started doing like back in May of 2015, I think is mm -hmm. when I started thinking about it. And then not too long of that, I started doing it and putting out YouTube videos every week. Mm -hmm. and, and initially it was more like health fitness focus with a right. little bit of like, motivation life stuff right. but then i just realized no we just need to talk about the whole picture right and um and that's what i started doing and i think the first time the first time i like spoke at something i must it must have been at the old the gym that i was teaching mm -hmm. at tacoma strength they asked me to come give a talk on like wellness and mm -hmm. um how do we change our because ultimately that's what i became interested in right what makes us change? Mm -hmm. What makes us do what we need to do to experience the life, experience life the way we want to experience right. it? Um, and I just became, the gym's a, a great place if you're interested in human behavior and psychology. The gym is a great place right. to, to observe it and watch it play out. Mm -hmm. And I think healthcare in general. Um, right. You know, even You've being seen in- seeing a lot of use cases and stuff. Right yeah, now. yeah. I mean, in the ER, for instance, I mean- and I think in the healthcare field, I think the stat is something like 90% of healthcare expenditure is on um, what what do they call lifestyle diseases. Mm. So yeah. basically diseases that are a resultant of poor choices, poor right. lifestyle choices. Yeah. And that's something the the stat that I read a couple a few years ago is something like 90% of healthcare costs is mm -hmm. that's where it's spent. And so even in our healthcare system, um, and I feel like our fitness uh uh, industry is kind of an extension of that in some ways is you watch people just go through the same habits over and over again and they're yeah. looking for a band-aid to fix it real quick without right. actually changing who they are mm -hmm. so they can change their habits get di different results right and so i even thought about maybe going into physical therapy i was kind of in a and when i left the gym i was lost for a little while so i thought about going to physical therapy or going into maybe emergency medicine i thought about being a doctor when i was in the military mm -hmm. um but I I remember in the military I decided against that because again I was when I worked in the ERs I just saw people like this is not yeah. about yeah you're not getting to help them how they got there you're right. only helping with the, what's going on the right symptom that right yeah. yeah and it just wasn't interesting <clears throat> um, it requires you to be very intelligent you have to think through problems but it's right. very emergent and short term mm -hmm. uh, 
in terms of fixing things. And so I felt like over time, I just felt like it would be better for me to try to see if I can help people solve problems from this mental yeah. toughness standpoint. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I just started. I'm trying to remember what the. So, yeah, I first spoke at the gym and, and I was doing the YouTube videos and then people just kind of slowly caught wind of that in Tacoma. Right. Um, and I think especially with the nature of this podcast, mm -hmm. I think it's important for people to understand that oftentimes when we want to do something like I, I mean, Mike, I didn't even exactly know what I was doing. Yeah. Like I was just like. I need to tell my story to people. Yeah. That was about it as much as I knew. I had had a blog before mm -hmm. uh, when I was at the gym because, I, again, I wanted to share some more of this right. stuff. So I kind of started a little WordPress blog. Mm -hmm. must have been in, like, 2013. Yeah. And, and back then, here's another interesting thing. So obviously growing up an introvert, like, communication didn't feel like the thing that I should be doing right. necessarily. Like, yeah. But what I learned as a coach was I'm actually a very good communicator. When I was running classes, I realized I was very good at communicating ideas and and verbally holding a, an audience. Sure. Um, when I started writing, it was slow at first. But if I had the time to sit and craft my ideas, mm -hmm. I was a good writer as well. Right. And over time, I've gotten faster and faster at it. Mm -hmm. And so um, just to, when people are trying to start something, just start. Just right. do the thing that you can do. Just go. Like, yeah. and again, it's that whole not being afraid to fail, right? right. Like, yeah, yeah, I made, I still make spelling errors. Um, <laughs> I had a friend of mine criticized yeah. me about that the, the the other day, and she's just joking with me and messing with me. But I was like, damn, man, I read that, sh I, I read that shit, and I know yeah. what I want to say, right? And so I see what I want to say instead of seeing the error that's on it. You know what I mean? And so, um, yeah, <laughs> you. But that that holds people back so much too, right? Like, well, I have this idea, and that's that's a big part that we um, like to share as well of just like, I mean, people have ideas, they have a passion, they have a story that they can tell, but they might be held back because it's, Oh, it's not at this level. It's not what they're doing. You know, right. Like, right. And, and I'm not at that point yet. And it's like, right. well, you're not going to get anywhere unless you start moving towards that. Exactly. Anyway. Exactly. And I think t people also get held up. One of the things that people kept asking me when I started the YouTube thing was, well, how do you make, how are you gonna make money from that? And please, like people listening to this, please hear this. You do not need to explain to people how it's going to make money. You don't right. need to know how it's gonna make money. Yeah. Just go. Right. Because you a lot of yeah. especially the passion in, has to be there first. Exactly. Yeah. You have to start with that. Because <clears throat> if you don't have that, you're not gonna fight through all the hard parts of it. Because mm -hmm. there's definitely some it's not hard last. Yeah, yeah, man. Like there are definitely days, there have definitely been days in the past three years. I mean, in the last couple months, I've, I've experienced it. And this coming out to Boise has been a, a real revitalizer. Yeah. Uh, because interest dries up um, or people like marginalize what you're doing. Maybe your friends kind of doubt you or whatever the case may be. And you feel yeah. like you're constantly on your heels defending what you're doing. Right. Um, well, you haven't started making money yet. When are you going to make money? Because we have to realize most of us are conditioned to like the two week paycheck right. and the, and the benefits. So we, mm -hmm. so money, so you start working and money starts immediately flowing in. Well, right. that's just not how business works. That's right. not how like small business that's not works. What the entrepreneurial route. Is. Absolutely <laughs> like, not. And what's yeah. so interesting about that is people don't realize that the job that you have somewhere in history, somebody did an entrepreneurial thing that now has created the safe job situation right. that you have. Yeah. So when we're, 
you know, when we find ourselves critical of that person that's doing this new thing that where mm-hmm. they don't know how it's going to make money, but they're right. just passionate about it and they're investing all this time and energy into it. Yeah. Just remember, somebody did that so you could have a job right. and so you could have a position. Mm-hmm. So maybe, you know, you know, and, it, it, you know, this speaks to both sides of the, the, the coin, right? Like, right. so maybe you're not the entrepreneur. Maybe you have a friend or family member or significant other who is. And that's what you need to understand in supporting that person. Like somebody paved that road for you so right. you could have the safety and security. And I'm not against that. Like you yeah. need teachers, you need engineers, you need doctors, right. you need nurses, you know. But you also need people who are willing to kind of go into the fray and do something new. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, like when I like and that's that's a big piece of advice I always give to people. Yeah. Just start with the simplest sustainable things. Simple yeah. and sustainable. Is it? For me, like when what I do with speaking and sharing my story, it's uh, a blog post mm-hmm. or every now and again a YouTube video. Mm-hmm. Uh, I blog once a week and I put it out on Friday morning. Yeah. And that's something simple and sustainable that I can do. I can see myself doing it for the next six years, mm-hmm. uh, seven years, eight years. Yep. And that's something that people also need to think about, like yeah. long-term sustainability. Yeah. What can I do for the long haul? Because, right. I mean, I'm sure it's, you... It's takes, it takes that time. It take, yeah, you've been doing this for eight through. years, yeah. right? Like You've been doing your thing for eight years. Like, mm-hmm. you have to be able to have that runway of time. Yeah. So what can you be consistent with? What can you show up every week for? Mm-hmm. What can you fight through all the turbulence of life for and show mm-hmm. up and do over and over and over again? Whatever that is. I don't, you know, for different people, it's different things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so think about that. And yeah, I mean, because literally, I didn't know what it was going to look like. When I right. first started that blog in 2013, it was called Conversations with a Madman. It was mm-hmm. it was quamblog.wordpress.com. I didn't <laughs> spend any money on it, right? Mm-hmm. And um and I was just starting to kind of filter these ideas out of my head. Like, what had I learned in my lifetime that was so useful and helped me do things? And then eventually it became this YouTube channel where I was putting these videos out once a week and just sharing some of these stories. The swim story yeah. is a video that I share. Um, and then I started getting speaking opportunities. Some mm-hmm. a teacher would ask me to come speak to her class or speak mm-hmm. at this assembly. And it was for free. And a lot yeah. of stuff I still do for free. Um and eventually, uh, somebody offers me to speak at something, and there's somebody there with a video recorder to record mm-hmm. it. And so, uh, you know, and then I get this opportunity with UWT to teach these entrepreneurs. And again, I did that for free. Yeah. Um, and I did it week after week. And eventually, I got offered the opportunity to do TEDx in mm-hmm. Tacoma. Got on the TED stage, did that. People love that story. And so that, mm-hmm. and each little thing has perpetuated the next thing and the next thing right. and the next thing. And uh, it's just been purely relationship based and purely word of mouth based. Right. And I think people have to understand that the road, um, whichever road you pick in life towards whatever outcome, hopefully one, hopefully you pick one. Right. But once you set a goal or set an aim, you have to decide, you have to understand that there's going to be opportunities on that road. And there's also going to be legitimate obstacles on that road. Sure. So it's not about having one or the other. The key with the opportunities is if you're not on the road moving, you don't get to the opportunity. Yeah. Um, and with the obstacles, it's it's the obstacle develops develops my strength to stay on the road. That's right. how I have to look at the obstacle. Right. And so I don't know. It could be, you know, so people will ask me a question like, uh, you know, how long 
you know, if I start a business, Travis, how long is it going to take before I'm successful? Or if I start working on losing weight, how long is it going to take before I'm be, mm-hmm. I'll be successful? And, I, and my return question is, is how long are you willing to fight? Right. How long are you willing to keep going? Because that's as long as it takes. As long <laughs> as it takes. Yeah. There's no gotta be. there's no yeah. finite timeline on these mm-hmm. things. So, I mean, one one thing I ask myself all the time is like, OK, Travis, do you still want to do this? Right. And Usually the answer is yes. Sometimes I ask myself, am I crazy? Is this like, am I stupid? You know? Um, And you hit dry points. I mean, Mm -hmm. I definitely in the last few months have hit a dry point in Tacoma. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, I was telling Luke, um, I feel like I've tapped every well there. Mm -hmm. And I feel like the response that I'm getting there is not um, to the level of my abilities. Uh, And I, I don't think it's that people don't like me there or anything like that. I think people respect what I do, mm-hmm. but the opportunity may just not be there right. to do more, you yeah. know? And so if the demand is not there, you got to look elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what's been cool about coming out here and, you know, Snake River CrossFit mm-hmm. and Frank and Michaela, Luke got me linked up with them. And mm-hmm. I mean, they reached out to their community and there was like a yeah. immediate response. I mean, right. this last night came together within a two week time period yeah. between <laughs> conversation and inception. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, um, so it was just kind of amazing that mm-hmm. to see that response. And it speaks to them and the community yeah. that they've developed. Uh, but it just, it was kind of reinvigorating. And I think that's another thing that I would, um, and this is a little bit tougher, but like certainly, I mean, I don't think of myself as an entrepreneur per se, because I'm not building this big, massive company. Mm-hmm. But I mean, certainly as someone who wants to, you know, be their own boss, yeah. um, I would say you you have to, I mean, there are going to come points where you're just disoriented mm-hmm. and you kind of just don't know what you're doing anymore. Mm-hmm. And you, and maybe not what you're doing anymore, but like you, like maybe this is not going to work and maybe I have to just give this up for now. And I think it's worth it to just say, maybe I have to step back from it for a little right. bit. Maybe I have to just yeah. pull back and just yeah. take a break. You know, mm-hmm. like, okay, maybe I need to just work a job for a year mm-hmm. or something like that. Just put it down. And get off of it. Let my brain and my heart, my emotions have a break. Mm-hmm. Maybe have some steady money for a change, right? And give yourself a chance to recover mm-hmm. and then come back and look at it with, you know, fresh eyes mm-hmm. and say, okay, I'm rested. As opposed to like, and I have to be careful about this, but it's what I did with engineering is I just burned it down. Like, right. so I never want to be an engineer. Again. Right. You know, I never want to go back to that world, right? Because yeah, I just yeah. burned it down. I so right. I kind of burned a bridge with myself. So you put it all, all that you had into it. Yeah, you? yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, and so I, I, I would definitely recommend, um, yeah. yeah sometimes just planning yeah. a high. You got to kick an an honest evaluation too of of where you're at. And right. Like yeah. If something isn't working or maybe it's the wrong timing or maybe it's too soon or you yeah. know, don't have the right people involved with stuff like that too, you know? And, and, and when we started, both my brother and I started working together, which a lot of people would say, don't do that. Right. Family. But we right. had a very unique situation with our family and the way we were raised and worked from, you know, worked together almost from, from day one when yeah. we started working with my dad's business and learned entrepreneurship through him. Yeah. And, and it's worked for, for what we, do and it's been it's been amazing and so but it doesn't always work that way for right. certain people and they got to take an evaluation of that too it's like okay is this not working do i need to change something and being willing to realize like okay like you said you got to be okay with 
failing sometimes or maybe it's not a full failure or it's just right. not yet or it's yeah. just different looks differently so. yeah yeah and you know be, like you said it looks differently right like being willing to pivot i thought fitness was going <laughs> to be my thing right but then i kind of was in that space and i saw this other problem mm-hmm. and so i said well i'm more interested. All connected too I mean, yeah still affecting that too right exactly showing people that process that they can come through and how right. it's all connected and related because right. you can't just do one and expect the whole life to if, if the life's not working over here and then right okay you look good but then your mind's not in, right in the right place, place. Yeah. yeah yeah i um what was i gonna say to that um oh one of the big apprehensions that i had and i think this is this is interesting in the time that we live in because so much i think so many businesses are kind of like content businesses that's mm-hmm. basically what i have right, right. like yeah. i'm selling my story i'm selling my yeah. ideas um one of the 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 fears that i had starting or one of the trepidations that I had that kept me from initiating was feeling like, well, I don't have a degree in counseling Mm -hmm. or like a PhD in psychology. So Mm -hmm. can I, am I allowed to speak to these things? Mm -hmm. And to, to someone who may be struggling with that, what I would say is, you know, you tell your story and you tell the lessons you learned from your story and that's what you do. Um, And you know, you don't have to call yourself anything. You don't have to be any title or right. anything like that. And there's not a gatekeeper that's keeping you from right. jumping into that, too. Yeah, you know, I mean, if, if you know, if sharing my story of how I've overcome certain traumas and obstacles in life, it's all it is is kind of showing people the path and the principles that I learned and saying, hey, if you apply these things, maybe you can find some success, too. That's all it is, you right. know, and you don't have to, like you said, you don't have to pass through some gatekeeper to do that. You can just go. And just start putting it out there and and pivoting and adjusting as needed. Um, and yeah, I mean, yeah, don't make it don't make it more complex than it is. Yeah, you know, yeah. Lot, lots of people will resonate. Like like we all like like last night mm-hmm. we 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 talked about it. Like everybody knew the emotions mm-hmm. as I went through certain points in the story. Right. Everybody knew what was going to happen. Right? Yeah. So we all connect around those things. Mm-hmm. And so uh, don't feel like you have to be some. Yeah, and it's not that being a certified professional in these areas is a bad thing. Right. Um, it's just don't feel, don't let that be a hindrance to starting mm-hmm. in whatever it is you want to start at. Yeah. You know? Yeah. No, that's huge, and that's 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 what we really like to to pass on as well, and just even through sharing with with this uh, on this show too, is just really allowing people to feel like they can pursue that thing that's in the back of their mind, or maybe it's in the front of their mind, and it's just something that they want to do or try out because things are so accessible but you have to be you know willing to fail if it's if it's not going to work and it's right. going to take some time it's not going to happen tomorrow like yeah. that consistency i love that what you're sharing too just like it has to be that that thing that you're willing to put in continually like you don't know oh yeah, how long is it going to take well if you if you don't know and you're not willing to just keep it pu- pushing it towards as long as it is going to take right. then, then that's not going to sustain too because it's not the easier way it's definitely it's going to be the, right. the harder yeah. road for sure. Yeah. You have to put yeah. in those hours and those time and over and over again and hear a no and whatever that might be. And it's yeah. like that passion's got to over, you know, supersede whatever hindrances or things that are holding you back for sure. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's yeah. huge. No, that's, that's great. I know, um, you know, lots, lots of great stories. I know right. that you yeah, have, yeah, and yeah. we could go on yeah. for a long time, yeah. but I really appreciate you taking the time to, to share the story. And I mean, it's just really, really inspiring and even just hearing the those things last night and even today some of the other stories and and i think there's there's a lot of 
there's a lot of aspects that people can take and apply in their life, whether it's a business or life or even just just personal growth, having to you know go through different things that yeah. we all you know have to overcome too. Yeah, thanks. So. Th- thanks for having me, man. It's um, it's always a gift to share my story, and who doesn't like talking about themselves? <laughs> um, yeah, and uh, uh, yeah, I appreciate it, man. I really have appreciated this experience and this community in Boise as a whole. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's definitely been kind of revitalizing in terms of my process and yeah continuing yeah. to move forward with yeah. this thing no that's awesome yeah. I mean, it'd be exciting to see kind of where where those things go and the next yeah. uh next stages for for even for what you're sharing and the people uh that you get to impact too and we're excited to see that process and you know thanks for for sharing that and yeah and spending some time today we appreciate yeah, it absolutely so we're uh so where all can people find out more about what you're doing um, or where you're speaking or that kind of stuff too or so uh travisdaigle.com uh my first name travis T R A V I S uh daigle d as in dog a i g l e travisdaigle.com um like i said if you subscribe via email you'll get a blog f- post from me once a week um, and I try to ask reflection questions in that post to get yeah. people like thinking about where they want to be in life, so right. on and so forth. You're not going to agree with everything I write, for sure. uh, but I think, um, you'll, you'll feel that I care. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, yeah. And any, like anything new happening, any place I'm speaking or something like that, I'll share it, you know, mm-hmm. through the blog. And so I'm not cool. somebody that inundates people. Yeah. Um, so yeah. And, and Perfect. you can also, uh, you'll find links to my YouTube yeah. channel there. So you'll see some of yeah. my videos on the website and you can fi- follow cool. to my YouTube channel from there as well. Perfect. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks again, man. And yeah, uh, yeah we look forward to watching Thank the you, whole process bro. along the way. Yeah, man. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'll, I'll be looking forward to linking up with uh, the video stuff as well. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks for your time again and uh, we'll catch you next time. All right, brother. Thanks. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We hope you're able to glean some valuable insights from this episode. If you enjoyed it, please leave us a review and let us know what you thought and your feedback. We would love to hear from you. If you want to find out more, visit silverlinefilm.com. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook under Silverline Films. And we look forward to seeing you next week on Silverline Behind the Frame.